Shalom. This is Gary Durashinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. Yes, Hebrews chapter 2, I'm sorry, verses 1 through 4. So that again, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The author writes, For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the words spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also bearing witness with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we thank you for these verses. We thank you that they are truth, that they are life, Lord. We thank you that you give us warnings in your word, Father. The warning here is that we pay attention, that we don't neglect the salvation, what we have heard And Father, that we devote ourselves to it. I ask, Lord, we cannot do that in and of ourselves. We need you desperately, Father. So we ask that you would give that to us this morning, that we would pay attention to your word, that we would not neglect your word, but that we would devote ourselves to it and enjoy it and love it and live it, Father. We also want to lift up to you the many requests We pray for Israel, Father. There is so much attack against her. Lord, you tell us in your word that this will happen, but that you will unequivocally stand with her and support her. And we do that this morning, Father. We pray for Israel. We pray for her salvation. We pray that in the midst of struggle and turmoil that she would look unto Messiah that the Messiah has come and that he is the only one that can bring peace in a broken and destroyed world, Father. We ask that you protect Israel and that you bring her to yourself. Father, we pray for Gary and Mary Lou as they go and and visit with Bob. Lord, we ask for Mary Lou's father that you would give him the gift of faith, that he would turn as Israel ought to turn to the Messiah, Lord, that he has come and that he is the perfect sacrifice. Lord, we also want to lift up Ron Ulrich's mother. We also want to lift up my Aunt Bab's father. And all of these individuals, we ask that you would bring health and healing. And above all, Father, you promise in your word that if we pray to you and if we give our struggles to you, 
You promise to us that you will give us a peace that transcends all human understanding, that goes above and beyond what we understand. Lord, I ask that you would give that peace to these individuals and know that the basis of that peace is that the Messiah has come and paid the penalty and is the perfect one, Father. We pray these things for these individuals and we pray for this morning that we would hear from your word and that we would do what your word is asking us to do, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I wanted to take some time in Hebrews chapter 2 and I want us to focus on what I feel, and, and I, I do believe, I know some disagree, I do believe Paul, the Apostle Paul, or Saul in the Jewish world, is the author of Hebrews. The, the book of Hebrews is a glorious book. It, it basically is a long, long sermon about the supremacy of Messiah, how big and great Messiah is. And the other really neat thing about Hebrews is it ties back to Leviticus. So when I was going through Bible college and, you know, sitting in all these classes and learning all these things, what I wanted to do the most was to spend a year on Leviticus and then spend a year on Hebrews. And if I felt if I got those two things, I got the whole Bible. Because basically you have the, the, the Mosaic law. And then in Hebrews you have the new covenant. And its ultimate aim and fulfillment. So the book of Hebrews is a deeply Jewish book. And I think Paul wrote it. Actually didn't write it. I think Paul preached it. Because one, it's a really long sermon, right? And we know Paul... And we know some other preachers, right, that can be a little long-winded, right? So actually, in one instance, Paul was preaching so long, and you can read this in Acts, that a kid, a teenager, was sitting in the window of a three-story building, or whatever they had back then. I don't know if it was a house. And Paul's preaching and going and going to like three in the morning, and the kid gets so tired, he falls out the window and dies. I mean, that's in the new, that's in your Bible. And the really cool thing is, is afterwards, Paul goes down, prays over him, and he comes back to life. How's that for a sermon illustration, huh? That's amazing. Anyways, I think Paul wrote it. I think, you know, if you get into the technical stuff, people will say it's not like his other literature, but I think that's because it's a sermon. And so he's going to speak differently than he writes. So I say that because when I say Paul, I think he's the author. But really what Paul's doing here is he has a warning for us. And as preachers so often do, they go on these rabbit trails. So in all of chapter 1, we see Paul lifting up the Messiah as the supreme being. And now in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he goes on a rabbit trail. And he's like basically having a teacher's moment. And giving a warning. Hey, if you're not listening, I've already, I've been preaching for a couple hours here. If you're not listening, there's consequences. And so what we have in these first four four verses is what's called a warning passage. A warning passage. And we'll get into what a warning passage is and what it's not. It's difficult to preach a warning passage because you don't want to come across condemning, right? I don't want to come across condemning or judgmental. But the thing is, is that the Bible really does lay out for us a warning here. And I want to do that as graciously as I possibly can. So here's the warning. The warning is, and you can see this in verse 1 and 3, pay attention and do not neglect what we have heard 
or you will drift. That's the warning. That's basically the the theme of these four verses. Pay attention and don't neglect what you have heard. And if you don't do that, the or else part of the warning is you're going to drift. If you're not paying attention and if if you're neglecting your salvation, your Messiah, the word of God, the result is going to be that you drift, that you drift. So let's take a moment here and, and think about what is the purpose of a warning passage. You know, I want to say this gently, our, our culture really emphasizes tolerance and, and being, you know, very easygoing, right? But, but the scripture here has a warning for us and really wants to cause us to consider what is being said. And the reason behind that is because our eternal state depends on it. You know, if you have a a mile-long rope here, if I had a mile-long rope, I could put a little red line on it, and that's symbolic of your 80, 90, 100 years you have on this life, on this earth. And the rest of the rope doesn't even come close to eternity. And the reason that Paul is so... What's the word? He's so intense right now in this passage is because he cares about you. He cares about your eternal state, where you're going to end up. And that's why the warning is so strong. So pay attention and don't neglect what you have heard or else you're going to drift. So here's a couple things when you look at warning passage in Hebrews. There's a lot of different views and interpretations of why there are warning passages. I'd like to give you two things of what they are not. So these are not why Paul writes a warning passage. The first thing is, these warning passages in Hebrews do not show in any way that you can lose your salvation. In no way do these passages show that if you're saved, you can lose it. That's not their intent. If you, real quick with me, if you turn to John chapter 10, I'd like to share with you a verse. John chapter 10, verse 27. Get there myself. This is one of my favorite verses. I don't know if any of you have gone through this time, but I I definitely, in in college and after, went through, I'd say, three years of doubting, where I really struggled with my faith, if this is really something I believe, or if this is just what my parents did, and my grandpa did before them, and so I'm just kind of being the Jackson thing, right? Is this my own? And I had to wrestle through that. But these verses really stuck out to me. So again, we're in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. And no one, get that, no one, not even yourself, no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. So I really want you to get that. So basically, there's three layers right there. Basically, the Father, God the Father, has said, that individual is yours, Yeshua, Jesus. That individual, I give you to Messiah. So it wasn't even your thing. God took you and gave you to the Messiah. 
And now what the picture is, is here, here you are. Now the Messiah has his hand wrapped around you. And I don't know if you know anything about the Messiah, but he's no wuss. He is a strong man. If you look in Revelation, he comes back on a, on a white horse. He's got a tat on his, on his thigh saying, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. He's got a sword. He's got fire coming out of his eyes. This guy means business. He is holding you. And not only that, it says in verse 29 that the Father wraps his hand around the sons. So you have two layers of the most supreme beings on earth wrapping themselves around you. There is no way that you can lose your salvation. Once you are saved, you are always saved. Once believing, you are always believing. And if you find yourself later on that that's not of you, we really need to take a look at your salvation experience. Because my question to you is, if you can keep yourself saved, if that is on you and your merit, when are you going to be good enough to keep yourself saved? You can't. You are wrapped in Yeshua. You are wrapped in the Father. These warning passages, specifically Hebrews 6, does not teach in any way, categorically, that you can lose your salvation. Now, the flip side, what these warning passages aren't also is these warning passages are not only for believers they are not only for believers and they're not merely hypothetical so it's not like they don't have any teeth so it's not like we read these warning passages as believers and we don't think that they have any real consequences in our life these are very real they have consequences for us and they're for they're for believers and we'll see non-believers. So we took a look at what they're not. So let's take a look at what they are. What is the purpose of these warning passages? The purpose, the first purpose is that they are to warn genuine believers, causing them to tremble before God and persevere in faith. So this is what a warning passage is for. It's to cause a genuine believer to tremble before God and to persevere in faith. Real quick, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Second Corinthians chapter 13, I want to read this to you. Verse 5, Paul again writes, Test yourselves. I'll read that again. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself? That Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. That verse is basically commanding us to examine ourselves, to test ourselves, right? That's what these warning passages are designed to do, to cause us to examine ourselves. You know, in, in, in my own life, in other people's life, doubting and testing your salvation is a very scary and real thing. But this verse basically commands you to do that. Actually, what the scriptures is telling you is you ought to doubt. You ought to test yourself. You ought to examine your salvation to see whether you're in the faith. And the product of doing that, the product of the storm and the trial of thinking through your salvation is 
perseverance. And the same verse, take a look. Again, that's verse 5. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves? That Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, is in you. That's the result of the testing. Is it's not about you. It's not about what you have done. The testing, the doubting, the warning is to strip yourself away so that you only, that you exclusively see the person of Yeshua. He is the aim of our faith. He is the object of our worship. He is everything. He is this book. And the testing and the examining is to cause, is to produce that. The second thing that warning passages are for, so we've talked about for the unbeliever, they're also for the, oh, I'm sorry, we've talked about the believer, they're also for the unbeliever. And it's to confirm in them their lostness. So these warning passages are to show the unbeliever that they are lost. And, it does, and there's basically two ways that they can respond to that. There's two ways that the unbeliever can respond to a passage like this. And the first way is that they see their need for the Messiah. That they bend the knee and say, I am nothing. I need you. Second response of an unbeliever to a passage like this is they'll say, this is crazy. And basically, their heart gets hardened. There's two really good examples of this, in the, both in the New Covenant and in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, Yeshua walks up to a woman at a well, right? And this woman, man, she is like the example of not living according to God's moral standards, right? And what does Jesus do? He talks to her about eternal life so that she never has to be thirsty again. And what is that individual's response to that message? She humbles herself. She kneels before Yeshua, the Messiah, and says, I need you. And God meets her need and heals her brokenness, and he can do that for you. He can change your life. We are all broken. There isn't no one here who doesn't have issues, right? We all have so many issues. But the beauty of it all is that Yeshua is the perfect one, that Jesus has come and died for you. And if you meet him, if you humble yourself to him, he will see you and he will meet your need and he will change you. The other response that you can have is much like Pharaoh in the old covenant, right? With Moses. What happened with that story, right? Moses comes before Pharaoh. Moish, over and over comes, Pharaoh, let my people go. Come on. And what what does Pharaoh say? No. Next week, same thing happens. What does Pharaoh say? No. Just over and over again. And what happens to Pharaoh's heart? It says it in the text over and over again. What happens? Hardened. His heart gets hardened. And here's the lesson in that. When you hear the truth of the gospel, when you hear the truth of God's word, and you reject it, and you say, not today. I got to get my family in line. I got to get my job together. Then Then I'll commit. Then I'll get going with this whole God thing. But I got to take care of these things. I got to get to retirement. Then I can really focus in on it, right? No. What happens is, is your heart in every instance gets harder. And then the next time you hear it and you choose to reject it, it gets harder. So a passage like this really can do two things for the unbeliever. It can either cause them to cry out, Abba, Father, I need you. Or, I'll do it tomorrow. 
I'll do it next week, right? No, choose today. Choose today to turn to Yeshua. So real briefly, let's take a look at these passages. Now that we've set up basically what warning passages are and what they are not. And now I'd like to, I'll just briefly mention to you the other five parts in Hebrews, if you want to at home, to look at those passages. In Hebrews chapter 2, 1 through 4, that's the one we're looking at today. There's a warning passage. It's about neglecting what we have heard. The second one is in chapter 3 through 4, 13. And it has to do with hardening your hearts. Israel is the example and their, their hardening of heart in the wilderness. And they can't get into Canaan because of it. Three, rejecting the full revelation of God is in chapter 5, verses 11 through 620. It is possible to come here in this chapter 6, if you want to take a look at it when you go home. It's possible to taste of God's goodness, but to never eat of it, to never partake. And that's basically what Hebrews 6 is saying. It is possible to come here and to enjoy the benefit of being a part of this amazing organization called the Ecclesia, the body of Messiah in this age. It is possible to come here and partake in this and taste of it, but to never fully believe. And it calls you to fully believe. So I'll, I, I get amped on that one. That one's cool. Uh, and then the, the fourth one is in chapter 10. It's acting as if there was no atonement. So how often do we act as if there was no atonement? I mean, Paul talks about this in Romans 6. Should we sin so that grace may abound? And he answers, by no means. We should not. And the fifth one is rejecting, just outright rejecting the Messiah's message. And that's in chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. But I'd like to end with this. And I, I, didn't, I don't want to keep you guys here too long, so I won't get into the, too much of the text. But I'd like, to, I'd like to just point out a couple things in closing here. The command is that we pay attention and that we don't neglect what we have heard. What is it that we have heard? We have heard the gospel. What we have heard, that phrase there in that verse, refers to the entire word of God. In in John 1, it says, John 1, 1, it says what? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later in, in verse 14, it explains, well, what is this word? And it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then if you go down to verse 18, it says, the only begotten son, he has explained him. And the him there is God the Father. So in a very real sense, and I want to really nail this, in a very real sense, this book is Yeshua. This book is Messiah. This is what has explained him. Yeshua is both the living and the written word of God. Get that. Hear that. Yeshua is both living and the written word of God. So the command this morning is to not neglect, to not pay attention. Pay attention to this book. It is what we have heard. And here's what happens when we don't. When we don't pay attention to this word, we drift. And the word drift, I'll go a little geek here, nerdy here, is the word para reeo. And it literally means to float along. So picture a stream with a stick, right? And what happens to that stick in a stream? 
just kind of bobs around, floats down, you know, does what, does what a stick does. It never goes against the grain. It never goes from side to side. It just floats. And that is the picture of what happens to us when we don't pay attention and when we neglect the word of God. We just float and we become content with that floating. So we're just like a stick. And I want to tell you, the current of the world is not going in the right direction. So when we're neglecting this book, when we're not spending time with it in the morning, when we're not coming to services and hearing it proclaimed boldly, we float with the world towards destruction. What I am calling you, what Paul is calling you, what God's word is calling you to do this day, don't reject it, is to pay attention and to see how wonderful and how beautiful God's word is. And to not just study it and to not just meditate on it, but to live it and to believe it in faith, right? James says in James chapter 2 that faith without works is dead, right? True faith is not just intellectually believing what the book says. True faith is saying, I believe it so much that I base and count my eternal security on it. And you better know that's going to change how I live. Right? So that's what you're called to this morning. I hope that was encouraging. I wasn't able to get into the actual verses. I'm really sorry. Um, but I'll have to do that another time. Uh, but if you would, please pray with me and let's, let's close this up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask you that you would be with us. That you would empower us to not neglect your word. To not neglect our salvation. To not neglect your relationship with us, Father. But that we would cherish it that we would long to be closer with you. You promise us in your word that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us, Father. And so we want to recognize you as sovereign God, as holy God, as beautiful, Father. And Lord, we ask that you would help us in our unbelief, that you would help us in our doubt, that you would help us in our undisciplined lives, Father, to to spend the time in your word, to spend the time hearing your truth and being close with your son who has explained him, Father. We ask these things, Father, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to him. Do remember us in your prayers. And if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.